0: Welcome to we lead radio your hosts are june gunter beth hijack christine erickson and morgan Reidenauer. this show is a conversation that will focus on reimagining leadership to meet the reality of 21st century business and life in organizations the conversation is inspired by timeless natural wisdom for how to lead through uncertainty now here are the hosts of we lead radio
1: Welcome! I'm Morgan Ridenour, and this is We Lead Radio. We're back again, me and my brilliant co-host, June Gunter. Hello! Beth Hijack. Good morning, everyone. And Christine Erickson. Hi, everyone. Today, we're going to be talking about how to prepare leaders for this new world of work. And to get us started, June is going to be talking a little bit about what will be needed. June?
2: So... Today, we're going to be joined by Mary Ann Spatola, and she has a new book out called Careers in the New World of Work. And I've had several lovely conversations with Mary Ann to understand her perspective. And I just want to set a little bit of context for our show and say, you know, when you think about organizations of the future, Mary Ann's perspective is that they're going to be more inclusive, collaborative, innovative, and technology enabled and because that's true leaders are going to have to look forward through the windshield about how to develop people rather than through the rear view mirror or backwards with a critical view typically reliant on performance reviews because the world of work is changing the way we lead has to change with it and I, I have asked Morgan to share a story about what she's learned about working with horses who are inclusive, collaborative, and innovative. And they require forward focused coaching as well, and have a lot to teach us about what that looks like. So, Morgan, kick us
1: off. All right. So, today I want to tell you a story called Moose in the Column of Fire. <laughs> <laughs> I read a lot of Harry Potter so <laughs> Moose in the Column of Fire Moose is one of my favorite beings in the entire world he is a miniature horse um, he's adorable and I would highly recommend you check him out if you go to our Twitter at We Lead Radio you'll see a picture of us hanging out together that way you can help, help yourself visualize who I'm talking about here. Moose is a miniature horse he's extremely handsome and he pulls a wagon he drives so we have a little green wagon and i'm in the back and moose is out front and we're going places together <laughs> when i met him <laughs> when i met him he didn't know how to do any of this so we went through a process and and honestly neither did i we went through a process of learning together what it takes for us to become a team and drive together drive this little wagon and the thing, about, the thing about driving is your horse is way out in front of you. You are sitting in the back in your wagon, and your horse, you, you can't even reach him to touch him. All you have is your voice, your relationship, and two little reins that are attached to his mouth, so you really don't want to do anything too difficult with those because you don't want to interrupt his flow. It's just a little way to signal, hey, will you go a little left or a little right or slow down? So we have to build a relationship and learn these skills together so that we can work safely together while still being pretty far apart physically. And one of the things that was really important for Moose is developing his confidence and his faith in me that I was still behind him and he could still move forward without me being in front. He had to move forward, he had to go first and he had to feel safe enough confident enough in himself that um, something terrible didn't happen, and we ran off the road or into a tree, uh, which I have run into a tree before with a horse, and it is really unpleasant, so <laughs> Moose has never run me into a tree, that would be Maisie if you did that, so yeah, <laughs> Moose and I started this journey just taking it slow, but really working on developing that confidence in each other developing that communication, and we got really, really good, and our goal was to go to a parade and uh, be part of this Christmas parade that happens in our town, and we did, and we showed up, and we were waiting in line behind the scenes, and he was out front doing a great job, and a test came. A hot air balloon machine oh. was oh. positioned right in front of us. And hot air balloons are filled with fire. They, they have an explosive column of fire that rises up to create hot air <laughs> to lift the balloon. And they were just doing a few test runs <laughs> while we were standing, waiting to get going. So we're just standing there, and out of nowhere, a huge column of fire explodes in front of us. And this is the moment where Moose has to trust himself and me and our team. And all of this work we did together, building that confidence, building this communication, he can't really turn around and look at me. He can choose to bolt and take off. He can choose to stand. And those are kind of his two options. So the spire explodes and he he does this little knicker, which I'm not sure if you've never been around horses. My co-hosts know it. You know that little low, worried, like, (laughs) you've heard that so I hear him do that and he flicks his ears back at me and he tilts his head just slightly so he can see me and I say I know man I saw it too that's terrifying but we need to stay still and this horse against perhaps his better judgment decided to trust our relationship and our confidence in each other and he stood without moving and faced down this column of fire and that's to me, that's what can be achieved. You can face columns of fire together if you can work, work on this relationship, this confidence, and building, developing your team of shared leadership. So that's Moose in the Column of Fire.
2: I love you, man. <laughs> wow. That's <laughs> such a awesome. good one. That's awesome story, Morgan. Really awesome. Wow. You know, you can look at new technology that people are being confronted with as that column of fire? Absolutely. And do they have the relationship with their leaders to be willing to trust that they can find their way together? Really great story.
3: Thank you. Holding presence as a catalyst to forward motion and forward vision, I really love what you came out of with that story, Morgan, in terms of that relational space. And I think relational observation is one advantage in what we're talking about when we're moving forward and, or looking back. I think so often when we look back, it's with a label around circumstance or consequence. When we do assessments, which I think Marianne is going to talk about too, we, you know, a circumstance created a situation, someone took an action, and they were assessed for it. And there becomes a conscious and unconscious labels. And I think um, that that same space has taught me so much with horses and with my own horse. Um, The horse I have is named Hunter, and he was neglected in many different ways when I met him. And... When I had, I thought I had, I called in the best people I knew, different vets, body workers, everybody I could think of, to assess this horse because I I didn't understand a lot of his ways of being. I didn't know what had happened to him. I didn't have a lot of history to go on. And so I think I was stuck in grappling with trying to find the history Mm. as opposed to move forward. And then I was working with professionals who are trained to look at the history to predict the future. Wow. But what, what I had the advantage of observing was through the relationship I had with him and who he was right then and moving forward. Um, and so that's how I made my choices around who worked with him and who didn't. However, fast forward a year <laughs> or so, um, I there was a, a wonderful farrier that I had wanted um, him to work with for a long time who who does balancing type of um, work, which is what he needed as opposed to just having his hose looked at. They needed to grow out. They were all cracked. And um, and so, I don't know, in my, you know, unconscious defense of him, defense of myself, I sent her this long text, like with all the 82 things I thought may have happened, may not have happened, <laughs> what was going on with him. And she just replied, okay, it's 9 o'clock on whatever day. Fine. And I'm like, okay. I didn't scare her off. And she came and um, – I was just kind of observing her and we're chit-chatting and I launched into one line (laughs) of my, of that conversation. And she's like, yeah, um, you're just going to have to let all that go. (laughs) We're here now. And I was like, oh yes, I love being reminded of the things I teach. (laughs) Um, And it was brilliant. And it, it made me shift in a way it was an invitation to another level of you know I had observed him in a way that got us that far and made me know it wasn't a lot of things that people were trying to label and put on him and limitations, but it let me step back from that and really meet him where he is mm-hmm. and I, I always use this example, but when we work with new horses, it's the same thing. I, I think that rear view mirror versus the windshield and, and how to balance that or integrate those perspectives. When we meet new horses, of course, there are people that have lived with them, worked with them for a long time or a short time. They've had the op- opportunity to observe them. And it's very important to, to see what that perspective is from those people because they know the horses better than we do and so that's good information. That's the rear view information a lot of times. Sometimes it becomes present information, but if we're only relying on that information and operating from that expectation or waiting for the horse to respond in the way that we've been told the horse will respond, we're going to miss all the other cues of what's happening right now. It's the same thing that we do in relationships, and I think – some of what Mary Ann's work represents in that too. Again, back to the label of, and this is my language, but the label of circumstance or consequence. What do we do with that? And how do we get stuck in that from the past as as we're trying to move forward?
2: Hmm. You know, I had a client one time ask me a question that I found so interesting. I actually had to stop what I was doing and say, how fabulous are you for asking me that question? But it was, what is the relationship between anticipation and attention? Mm-hmm.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: And are we anticipating based on a prediction of the past and giving up our perception of current reality?
3: And how are we therefore influencing, consciously or subconsciously, what is actually taking place?
1: Yeah, it's a really awesome way to think about it. Absolutely. Well, we are going to head into a short break. And when we come back, we're going to continue this conversation and invite our guest to share some of her perspective. We'll see you on the other side. Be right back.
5: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
0: Teaching horses on the frontier of leadership development. Get out of the office and into the field to learn what horses have to teach us about leading through uncertainty. Teaching horses recognized worldwide as a premier provider of executive and leadership development with horses. Work side by side with horses to apply a simple framework for leading through uncertainty. Practice using attention, direction, energy, and congruence to elevate confidence in your leadership. Contact us at teachinghorse.com to meet your executive leadership and team development goals. Are you among the many who believe it is time to reimagine leadership for the 21st century? Are you considering stepping up to a new level of leadership? If so, We have a resource for you. Go to the Amazon Kindle store and order The Choice to Lead by June Gunter and Beth Hijack. In this book, the authors share what horses have taught them about leadership that will prepare you to take confident steps in the direction of your future. Download your copy today, and we look forward to supporting your growth as a leader. Tweet us at we Lead Radio to share your thoughts or questions, or send an email to LeadershipConfidence at TeachingHorse.com. Again, that's LeadershipConfidence at TeachingHorse.com. Now, back to this week's show.
2: Welcome back, everyone. I am so honored to be able to introduce you to my dear friend, Marianne Spatola. Marianne has over 20 years' experience in the field of human capital, talent management, executive coaching, leadership, and organization development a- across many different industries. And what I love about Mary Ann is she has the ability to, to think with an academic perspective and also make it practical for people to apply, which is a real talent to be that kind of bridge. And I also really appreciate Mary Ann because um, she's a passionate educator and she teaches a lot of people about what's coming in this evolving workplace and what that will mean for them both as a a person who's building a career and a person who's becoming a leader. And uh, she does this in her work and she's also on the uh, faculty at New York University and uh, she speaks at conferences. And most recently, Marianne is an award recipient of the 2018 New Jersey Business Best 50 Women in Business. congratulations. Yes, ma'am, she is. That's so cool. Well, Marianne, we're so looking forward for you to joining us. Say hello to all your listeners.
6: Good morning, June, and thank you so much for having me on the show. It's a real pleasure to be with you and an honor on my end, that's for sure.
2: Well, Marianne, um, I think you have something really important to offer people, which is a different way to think about crafting their careers. Can you tell us a little bit about your new model for the, the resume for the future of work?
6: Oh, sure. Absolutely. Um, so I'm a big believer in the, the success of any career rests in your ability to create career options. And it's funny I used to think of myself as a late bloomer when it came to careers. Uh, I was a non-traditional college starter, went my first year, looked at um, a first full year of tuition bills, did quick math in my head times four, and thought, hmm, what would I ever do to pay that back? (laughs) And decided to go get a job instead, and I did that for a number of years and eventually went back, finished my undergrad, and went on to get my master's. Uh, But I did that later in life when I was married with three small children and taking care of two elderly parents. So um, from that standpoint, I've always thought I was a late bloomer. In addition to changing jobs, just about every five years, I have had three completely different professions. Um, and I've had probably about 15 different jobs at this point in my career. So, And I'm not a millennial, <laughs> as you might guess, uh, although I do share many of their kind of restless career attributes about wanting to continuously learn and grow. And that's truly what the foundation of my three C's model is that I talk about in my book, uh, because it, I found it to be a way people can use a playbook, if you will, a roadmap to create career options for themselves. So when they have either not by choice or by choice, the need to make a transition, they're much more equipped to do so. And the three C's are building capabilities. So that's constantly learning new skills. I like to talk about pushing around the periphery, things you do well, but you can expand and do more of. And increasing your capacity is the second because we know you need time to develop. You know, it takes time and energy to put that extra effort in to try on some new skills. And the last piece is about community, and I like to refer to it as expanded community that is inclusive of colleagues and professionals and mentors and my community at Teaching Horse. Uh, You know, it's a powerful combination that allows individuals and organizations alike when you put the three C's together to create a wide variety of career choices for the future when they're needed.
2: You know, Marianne, I I, I remember your experience at Teaching Horse, and mm. I, I watched you embody the model that you just described. Can, can you say a little bit about your experience with the horses?
6: Oh, yes, it was. Um, one of the most powerful experiential leadership opportunities I've ever had. Um, it was exactly that, June. I think for me at that time, I was considering, you know, different options for myself and where did I want to be and what did I want to do. And I learned a lot that day about myself as a leader. One of the things I remember most was. You know this whole notion of learning to notice and really pay attention to what's happening around you in your in your space and what the energy is that's coming up around you. And so, you know, the classic "you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink it" <laughs> was very much my experience. I thought I could do that, um, and quickly found out that wasn't the case. And. Um, You know, it really taught me a lot about myself. It was a great way to pause, uh, stretch my capabilities, but also what I really enjoyed was being in a team that was the community piece of working with you all at, at Teaching Horse was to learn about the horses and the way herds work and how they're structured and their shared leadership model that was very impactful for me.
2: Fantastic. So what would be advice that you would give people now who are dealing with the reality that um, of impermanence, that people mm-hmm. expect to change periodically in their careers or jobs? How do they handle that from your perspective?
6: You know, it's interesting and uh, a uh, great thought. I get that a all- I get that question a lot or some form of it. Um, what I find is people are either laggards, they've been very comfortable doing what they've been doing for a long period of time and, and not necessarily paying attention to what's changing in the world around them, and then they have a job loss, and they get struck with this you know, instant sense of reality that the world has changed. So first and foremost, it's really learning about what's happening in the business world, if that's where you choose to stay, Uh, options are so much greater now with the onset of technology where you can be independent if you have um, a way to take care of your benefits and other things, Um, but also really having a very strong community of people who know what you're good at, who know what you're capable of doing, the value that you bring, um, and paying attention to those things because oftentimes people don't notice, like you've talked about in choice leadership. Um, one of the things I loved about your book was the story about Moose and the branch. You know, Morgan just told us the story about Morgan and the, the pillar of fire. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I truly enjoyed uh, in chapter four when you talk about, and this was my favorite quote, a pause of discernment is an act of leadership. And I think that whole story where Moose had seen in the periphery something was happening and nobody was paying attention and was very caught, as you've described a few minutes ago, about this was my past information. This is what I think is true and had these expectations and actually got annoyed Uh, because moose kept trying to stop and wouldn't go. Um, But then ultimately, the branch falls out of the tree. Fortunately, no one was harmed, but moose was already onto that, and and the others were not. So that, I think, is an important lesson for people who are trying to prepare for the future, because it may not be what you think or expect it to be. It's that rear-view mirror look again... And really started to look out the windshield and taking a pause, noticing what's happening. One of my favorite lines is, if the map and the ground don't align, go with the ground. (laughs) Because the ground is more realistic and you have to adapt. And I think that's really what's happening in this whole new world of careers. People need to adapt to what the new models look like.
2: And I really love your your emphasis on community. You know, mm-hmm. you'll hear us say periodically, the most important thing that you can do in uncertainty is find your herd.
6: That's exactly right. And you never know who that herd's going to be. And honestly, three of the best jobs that I've ever had were from people in my community. They were opportunities that presented themselves to me because of a relationship, because I had helped somebody in the past, uh, you know, either on a volunteer effort or in their own career trying to help give them advice. One of the things I love most about having an expanded community, and this is a big part of how I think about it, it's the pay-it-forward philosophy. I don't ever network with someone to find a job, I network with them to see if I can help them in some way. It's either feedback on something they're asking about. It may be they want to understand my industry or my role. Anything I can help another person with is the spirit in which I connect with others. And I think that just creates a different basis for the relationships and how you operate in that community.
2: I think that's a really good point. And... I can't emphasize enough that investment in relationships is just that it's what you give. It's not necessarily
6: what you get. Right. I never give with the expectation to get. So,
2: uh, let's see. We are about to go to break, Marianne. And when we come back from break... Christine is going to pick up the conversation with you, and we're going to talk about, okay, if this is how the world of work is changing, and this is how people are going to start crafting their careers, what will this mean for leaders in the new world mm-hmm. of work? So, uh, remember, if you want to become a part of this conversation, you could tweet us at Radio. You can also email us at leadershipconfidence at at, uh, teachinghorse.com. And we look forward to seeing you on the other side of the break.
5: From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network.
0: Teaching horses on the frontier of leadership development. Get out of the office and into the field to learn what horses have to teach us about leading through uncertainty. Teaching Horses recognized worldwide as the premier provider of executive and leadership development with horses. Work side by side with horses to apply a simple framework for leading through uncertainty. Practice using attention, direction, energy, and congruence to elevate confidence in your leadership. Contact us at teachinghorse.com to meet your executive leadership and team development goals. Are you among the many who believe it is time to reimagine leadership for the 21st century? Are you considering stepping up to a new level of leadership? If so, we have a resource for you. Go to the Amazon Kindle store and order The Choice to Lead by June Gunter and Beth Hijack. In this book, the authors share what horses have taught them about leadership that will prepare you to take confident steps in the direction of your future. Download your copy today,
5: and we look forward to supporting your growth as a leader. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. the bottom line in business.
0: You are tuned in to We Lead Radio. Tweet us at We Lead Radio to share your thoughts or questions, or send an email to leadership confidence at teachinghorse.com. Again, that's leadership confidence at teachinghorse.com. Now, back to this week's show.
3: Welcome back, everybody. Um, Today we're speaking with Marianne Spatola, and I wanted to continue our conversation about this new world of work that we're discussing. Marianne, what will be required of leaders to be successful in this new space going forward?
6: Uh, Thank you, Christine. I think we have to put it in the perspective of how long people are actually going to work. So what we know is we're living longer and healthier lives, And the notion of just working for 30 years, retiring and sitting on a porch and doing nothing is pretty much gone. Um, People are going to work for 30, 40, 50 years of their life. So it's a a career, lifelong career. And Mm -hmm. the notion that they're going to stay in one company for that entire duration is almost absurd. So what new leaders have to do in this world of work as it's evolving um, is really shift their mindset to focus on a couple of key things. First is focusing on development. And we know from research that people of all generations want to learn, grow, and contribute, albeit in different ways, but we all want that attribute in the workplace and from our leaders. We also know that they need to create collaborative cultures that focus on innovation. You know, in the new world of work, work is not where you go, it's what you do. And the hierarchical structures of who you work for are no longer effective. It's really who do you work with in order to get your work done. So the ability of a leader to create a collaborative, inclusive culture that's focused on innovation will be key. Another thing they have to do is really learn how to leverage technology for learning and innovation. Technology, in many cases, is disruptive. Uh, The onset of artificial intelligence is one example, but technology brings a lot of benefit uh, to allow for remote capability work for employees to work anywhere, anytime. It offers ways for employees to share information and to collaborate and generate innovation. So leaders really have to understand how to leverage technology for both learning and innovation. And the last piece really is designing workplace that will enable uh, what I call human and machine collaboration. And so these new pieces like artificial intelligence are here to stay. We're going to figure out how to make them work and there's a lot of you know, hype about it, and people are afraid that uh, we're going to lose jobs and all this other stuff. It's not really unlike any other revolution we've been through before. If you think about the Industrial Revolution and the onset of factories, people were worried everybody's going to be out of a job. And that's mm-hmm. the same as here. So what we have to figure out is how do we get humans and machines to work together and embrace what a machine can do for us that really lets humans add the value I think we were intended to. Things around empathy and strategy, creativity that machines really can't do, at least not in, maybe not in my lifetime, <laughs> but maybe sometime mm-hmm. in the future. So I think those are really the key things I see uh, for leaders to be focused on so we can really help people be effective in this new world of work
3: thank you for that. I like that last piece of what you said. I don't know if you could say a little bit more about that, focusing on you know the the technology or the machines, um, albeit the AI does scare me a little bit in in terms of when <laughs> yeah. it starts em- emulating humans. I've watched too much TV around that. Um, so I empathize with people <laughs> who have that fear. Um, however, i really I really appreciate that piece you said about um, focusing on, you know, where our greater,
6: humanity
3: mm-hmm. is, even, I'll say, our capacity to empathize and for creativity. I'd love to hear more about how that could free yeah. us up to And I can
6: give that. you a quick example. Uh, in my recruiting team in a former company, um, mm-hmm. it wasn't AI, it was different forms of technology, but we used mm-hmm. a partner to bring in some technology uh, opportunities that took the manual wrote. Kind of prescriptive tasks associated with attracting applicants and candidates to your organization off their table. Things like scheduling interviews, things like, mm. um, you know, doing different uh, assessments that, are, that you can do with a screening question and get them done quicker and faster. They don't require a lot of human intervention. And what mm. that enabled them to do was really focus on three key things. One was really knowing uh, the jobs that they were recruiting for. So they were able to spend more time with the business leaders in the areas they were supporting to understand mm-hmm. those jobs and what the challenges were and what the opportunities were. It enabled them to build great relationships with the hiring manager because they had more time to spend and invest in that relationship. And it really put the the description and the understanding of our company culture in the hands of the people who are the most capable to do it. And so when they were talking with people who were applying and you know, eventually came in for interviews, they really had a good relationship with them coming in the door, and they had the ability to describe what's it like to work for a company. What would you really love about it? What skills do you need to really work here? Those are the things you can't really put in the hands of a machine. And so we use the technology in a way to take off the, the tasks that were taking a lot of time but not adding a lot of value and shift their focus to the things that really only a human could do and do well, and they had much more time to invest in that.
3: Wow. Thank you for that example. So I hear you saying that it's um, really the non-relational tasks, Mm-hmm. In a sense, are where exactly. we can really leverage this to create a better culture or leverage that culture of community through relationships, even in those everyday things such as mm-hmm. HR. That's a really powerful shift. Yeah, in an intentional. And way.
6: they were they really liked their role better because mm-hmm. they didn't have to do all those mundane, boring, routine things that mm-hmm. you could
3: automate. Yeah, kind of carrying the functional weight of those things that get in the way. Mm-hmm. That's a really powerful example. Yeah. Thank you. Beautiful. Yep,
6: everybody was much happier.
3: Mm-hmm. What about my co-hosts? What, what do you hear in this conversation? What comes to mind that leaders will need to be successful in this space moving forward? It's a lot of, it's a lot of stretching for certain mm-hmm. leaders, I think, when you talk about inclusivity, creativity, all of these things that we want to embody as organizations, ideally um, what does that transition look like what comes to mind or Marianne, anything that we've missed in your conversation yeah you
6: know there's another piece um, in the choice to lead book that resonated with me where we talk about having the technology breakthroughs which is great and that's what we're seeing but if we don't learn to change the way in which we lead people we're going to repeat old, bad problems, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And honestly, change is the biggest underpinning challenge I think people will have trying to adapt to this new world of work. And it's not always easy to do the things that I described. If you're accustomed to or have a culture in your organization that's very autocratic and you just do what the leaders tell you to do, creating a collaborative, inclusive culture is nearly impossible. Um, and so people will be frustrated if they try and do that. Um, but it is an opportunity to bring great change, positive change. I think that will be much more accepted. I'll give you another classic example. So my youngest son, millennial, <laughs> uh, followed in my footsteps, studied HR, had a summer internship at a pharmaceutical company near our home, and they gave him the impression that he would have a chance to rotate through the different areas of HR and learn the different functions, so he was quite excited about it. And he went to work the first week, first day, and they sat him in a room. They had no computer, and they just gave him a bunch of books you know, things to read through, which he did, okay. So some of it was orientation, compliance, he understood that. He came back the second day, they gave him a little project to work on, still no computer, and handed him paper copies of Excel spreadsheets, and they asked him to do a, a manual eye check from one pile of paper to the next to find the differences, so as you might expect, my millennial's eyes rolled back in his head, like, <laughs> what are you kidding me? They handed him, seriously, they handed him a ruler, a highlighter, and a pen. Oh my gosh. And they wanted him to spend his, this whole first week, going because it was quite a thick, you know, stack of paper, to go through <laughs> and find all the differences. So he wow. comes home that night, and he was so upset. And, you know, he was not happy, and he wasn't interested in doing what they were asking him to do, so I coached him to say, well, go back and ask for the computer you're supposed to get. Maybe you can help them understand how to do it differently and do it quicker and faster and whatnot. So he goes in the next day, still no computer, has a conversation with this woman about the paper drill, and she wouldn't budge. She just said, that's the way we work here, and gave him a really hard time about it, and he... (laughs) very politely said to her, you know what, if you gave me a computer with the two electronic files, I could do a V lookup and give you an answer in 10 minutes. He mm-hmm. said, this is not working out for me, and this is not the uh, impression I had when I came in for this opportunity, and he quit. Wow. And he came home, and he was so upset. He's like, Mom, I just quit.
3: <laughs> but I said, <laughs> wow. okay, so it's
6: an internship. But, you know, it's a subset of what happens day to day in the real world. And it's because people are unwilling to change, unwilling to accept the, the new features technology can bring. And, and the next generation coming in will not tolerate it. They're more yeah. confident. They're more willing to make a move. They do make moves. So if we They're, don't
1: they're learn more familiar bridges, with the technology, to be
6: fair.
3: Right, yeah, thank you for that example, Marianne. Yeah, um, that's an unfortunate experience. I was hoping it was going to be like a wax on, wax off moment, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, um, it didn't, didn't really get there for your son, that's unfortunate, and good that he knows what he wants, you know. Yeah. Um, so that leads that example leads me to the question that when we come back from break, maybe um, I'd like to invite you for any closing thoughts or maybe a quick thought on this. How do we create the desire for that cultural change? So mm-hmm. if for how do we do it? How do we create the desire for that in spaces such as what your son experienced? So we're going to go to a quick break and we'll be right back with Marianne. You can tweet us at we Lead Radio or email us at LeadershipConfidence at TeachingHorse.com. We'd love to hear from you. We'll be right back.
1: From the boardroom to you. Voice America Business Network.
0: Teaching horses on the frontier of leadership development. Get out of the office and into the field to learn what horses have to teach us about leading through uncertainty. Teaching horses recognized worldwide as a premier provider of executive and leadership development with horses. Work side by side with horses to apply a simple framework for leading through uncertainty. Practice using attention, direction, energy, and congruence to elevate confidence in your leadership. Contact us at teachinghorse.com to meet your executive leadership and team development goals. Are you among the many who believe it is time to reimagine leadership for the 21st century? Are you considering stepping up to a new level of leadership? If so, we have a resource for you. Go to the Amazon Kindle store and order The Choice to Lead by June Gunter and Beth Hijack. In this book, the authors share what horses have taught them about leadership that will prepare you to take confident steps in the direction of your future. Download your copy today, and we look forward to supporting your growth as a leader.
5: Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. the bottom line in business.
0: You are tuned in to We Lead Radio. Tweet us at We Lead Radio to share your thoughts or questions, or send an email to leadership confidence at teachinghorse.com. Again, that's leadership confidence at teachinghorse.com. Now, back to this week's show.
4: Welcome back, everyone. We have been having a great conversation with Marianne Spatola about the new world of work and what that's going to look like. And um, in this section, we're going to do some final thoughts about uh, things we have are resonating with us. And uh, Marianne, I would love for you to share us a thought or two. What would you like to add as we're getting ready to end up this show for today.
6: Oh, thank you. This has been a great conversation. I really enjoy chatting with you ladies about all these topics. Um, I do think this is an exciting time uh, to be a human resource professional specifically. I think our profession has a tremendous value to add to an organization and for our people. And we are equipped to lead the transformative change efforts that are needed to help individuals and organizations be successful in this new world of work. My hope is we learn to embrace what can be and not be scared of what we don't know or don't understand. And I, that's one of the things I loved about my experience at Teaching Horse is the herd is so in tune to everything that's happening around them and they can make their adjustments on the fly, So they're really great at taking in information, paying attention, not paying attention, I'm sorry, um, placing attention is the right word, right, June? (laughs) Yes, you did good, Marianne. Um, But truthfully, you know, being that awareness of what's happening around you and learning to go with what you see and not just what you believe. And I think that is so critical if we're going to be successful in this new world of work.
4: Well, you gave me a great segue. I think that's a lovely way to look at it. And uh, when we started this conversation, the first thing that popped into my mind is when we took our herd of horses from North Carolina to California to work for a year. Uh And uh, one of the things you said was uh, about who do we need to work with? And when our horses landed in California and we unloaded them, Immediately, it wasn't about, well, this is not where we're from, and this is not how we do it. Yanni and the herd went into, okay, here we are now, and how do we need to start operating in this environment together? And one of the first things I remember Yanni doing was she called to the bigger herd around her to collaborate and build Mm -hmm. that community to go forward and that's one of the things i love about the horses is it's not they don't see change as a challenge change is right. the same thing about leadership and leading leading is a verb and um the thing that you're saying about people not being afraid i think and christine mentioned how to um create or frame it that change is desirable that leaning into that embracing different technologies and work environment. How do we do that? And one of the things that has stuck out for me is one time a friend said uh, she was going to quit drinking coffee and it was going to be really, really hard. And then another mm-hmm. friend framed, chimed in and said, well, you know, you already set it up, set yourself up for it to be really hard. And instead of saying, you know, I'm going to try giving not drinking coffee right. this week. And mm-hmm. so taking that out into – the bigger frame of what we're talking about today I think is a possibility. How about for the rest of you, what would you like to add to this takeout for the rest of the segment?
3: I like what Marianne just said about um, working with what we see not what we believe and I've been thinking about this a lot in the context of my horse as well and just the idea of rescue animals Mm-hmm. where um, we, we have this idea, this label kind of follows them. And it's kind of like what we talk about with employees, mm-hmm. how, how that can follow them. And so we have these unconscious assessments as well as conscious ones that were what we believed to be or what may have happened at one time. But where are we now? And so I'm always playing in that space of when I say, oh, well, this horse is a rescue horse or a rescue dog. Well, they were at one time that was That's one right. transition but who are they today you know and i think the herds absorb those things as well too the again those changes i don't think they they stop and say well we're this because this happened at this time they're always looking at now and it's integrated into the experience and identity but it's not it's not limited in for, forward movement and so i really like that what you see not necessarily what you believe
2: you know, I think, Marianne. One of the things that I love about what you've had us focus on today was that continuing developing your um, capabilities and your capacity to contribute and your community will make change not so threatening. In in mm-hmm. fact, it's a, it's a foundation for embracing uncertainty as mm-hmm. an opportunity not something to be
1: avoided right right i'm really reflecting on on this just simple idea that everyone wants to grow regardless of generation regardless of situation we we all have an innate desire to keep growing to keep learning and developing and i think that's so important to to remember and not get stuck in you know someone is who we have known them to be they they
5: mm-hmm. are
1: still growing and moving forward and that's an awesome concept I'm really thinking about just asking that that question of myself who who has something to teach me today mm-hmm it's a great question so um
2: one of the things that I also enjoyed about your story about your son was I think for a lot of people, they're willing to share tasks, but it's a very different thing to share leadership. Mm-hmm. And I would love to hear your perspective on how do you prepare people to lead collaboratively and inclusively, which is very different from delegating.
6: Yes. Yeah, I think so the way I have approached it my whole life and career is to have the perspective of we all have something to learn from each other. And when you look at it through that lens, instead of making a judgment about how somebody approaches work or how they think about different things and really valuing the way they do it and trying to understand, being curious about what that can offer and putting in, in the big umbrella of learning, I think is the biggest uh, advantage and way I've seen people be successful at it. Um, and there's, Research to prove it. Um, Professor Scott Page at University of Michigan did his, he's a um, professor in uh, ecosystems, and he found in his research that teams who are diverse and actually have members of the team who know nothing about what they're trying to do get better results.
1: I love love that we can bring it back to research. I think that's so important. Unfortunately, we Mm -hmm. do need to bring the show to an end. Thank you so much, Marianne, for being with us and sharing your perspective. Thank you so much to all of our listeners. Um, Please remember, you can tweet us, you can email us. We would love to hear from you. Go forth and find your herd. See you next time. Thanks a lot, Marianne.
0: Thank you for listening to We Lead Radio. Be sure to join your hosts, June Gunter, Beth Hijack, Christine Erickson, and Morgan Reidenauer next Monday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, which is 10 a.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Business Channel. And we'll see you on this same path next week.